Advent uh, message series. We're in that season of Advent, which are the, the days and weeks leading up to uh, when we celebrate the, the coming of Jesus to this world. And, and it's a season of, of joyous anticipation. Um, some, sometimes it's a hard season for people, uh, but it's also a season of waiting. I, I remember when I was a, a nine-year-old boy anxiously awaiting my birthday party. It, it, was a, it was a Saturday. My mom had cleaned the whole house. She got all the food and supplies ready for the party. My, my friends were set to arrive at 1 o'clock, which, which was only a short while away. But the hours, they couldn't pass soon enough. I, I was so excited that every single minute seemed like an entire day of waiting. It seemed to go so slowly. Eventually, my, my friends, they, they came. We had a great time together. But one thing I, I remember from being a nine-year-old kid is waiting is tough. Does that resonate with you? Whether you're waiting for something because you're really excited for it to begin, or, or whether you're waiting to be delivered from something that you don't like, waiting is tough. All, all too often in our lives, we find ourselves, we're, we're waiting for something. Maybe, maybe you're waiting for a vacation. Maybe it's retirement. You may be waiting for a family member to come home. It's been away way too long. You may be waiting for freedom, freedom from sin. You may be getting older and you've just struggled with the same sin pattern all your life. And you want to be free. Some of you, you're just waiting for Jesus to come back. And you, and you think, I'm just so sick and tired of dealing with the sin and brokenness of this world. I want to be delivered from it. Well, here's the good news, church. That Jesus came, Jesus came to deliver you from brokenness and sin. And that's what we celebrate at Christmas time. And, and so to see what the Bible says about this, we're actually going to go to an Old Testament text in the book of Exodus today. Uh, all the way back toward the beginning, right after Genesis. If, if you're not familiar with how the Bible's laid out, Exodus, uh, you have Genesis and then Exodus. Uh, it, we're going to look at a text where it tells the story of Moses and the Israelites being delivered from Egyptian slavery. I want to start by giving you a little bit of background just to remind you of the story, or maybe you've never heard it before. But in chapter 3 of Exodus, if you want to turn there, I'll just kind of give you an overview for a little bit, and then we'll look at the text. But chapter 3, Moses encounters God in a very unique way. God uh, gets Moses' attention by speaking to him in a burning bush. And so here, it's in this moment that God initiates his plan to free the Israelites from Egyptian slavery. God, he tells Moses that he's going to play a key role in the plan. And so Moses, he, he expresses to God doubts that he's the guy to do it. Why me, God? I can't do this. But, but God gives him signs that he can display so that the people will follow him. Well, one, one of the signs is that he can take his staff and he can throw it on the ground and it will become a serpent. Moses tells the Israelites the plan. He goes to Pharaoh to request the re release of the Israelites from captivity, just like God asked him to do. But when, when Moses goes, Pharaoh's angry with Moses that he would even consider making such a request. And, and so Pharaoh makes the Israelites work even harder. 
harder. He, he tells them that he's not going to provide the straw anymore for brick making. They're going to have to come up with the straw on their own and make the same number of bricks. They have to work even harder, a lot harder. And so needless to say, the Israelites were ticked. And so here's, here's a question for you in light of that summary of that story. Has there ever been a time in your life when you have tried to do all the right things, but it seemed like it just got harder? You're, you're trying to say the right things, make the right decisions, and it just gets harder and harder and harder. It's almost like you're getting punished. That's maybe how it feels at times. Well, in a sense, that's what's going on with the Israelites in this story. Israelites just, just want freedom, and they're angry. It's just getting harder. And Moses is upset because it, it looks like on the, on the surface of things that God didn't do what he said he'd do. And now what's happening? Moses, he's taking all the blame and criticism from the Israelites. Like, I thought you were going to get us out of here. But I want you to notice what Moses does. If you recall the story, Moses doesn't try to avoid the problem. No, he goes directly to God. He deals with it. He dresses it with the Lord. Uh, Let's look, Exodus chapter 5, starting in verse 22. It says, Then Moses turned to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me? For for since I came to Pharaoh to, to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people, and you have not delivered your people at all. Wow, Moses is talking to God that way, right? He takes his frustrations to God. But I want you to notice, Moses, he doesn't doesn't gossip. He doesn't avoid his frustrations or suppress them. He, He takes them to the Lord. And then we see God's response in chapter 6. And this is the main text we're going to look at today. Chapter 6, verses 1 through 13 of Exodus. Here's, here's what God says. But the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand he will send them out, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of his land. God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. And and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will deliver you from slavery to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people and I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God. Who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. Verse 8, the Lord continues, I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. 
Verse 9, Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. So the Lord said to Moses, go in, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the people of Israel go out of his land. But Moses said to the Lord, behold, the people of Israel have not listened to me. How then shall Pharaoh listen to me? For I am of uncircumcised lips. But the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a charge about the people of Israel and about Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt. Pretty incredible what God said in response to Moses' complaint. And so here's, here's my question. I kind of want you to think about this as I, as I talk through this passage and what we can see about the Lord here. But what is this text telling us about facing difficulties in life? What does this text tell us about facing difficulties in life? To, to, to say it real briefly, it, it, it's telling us that whenever, when everything in life seems like it's up against us, when, when you try and try and try to do everything right and by the book and as God wants you to do it, but then everything gets harder. You must find rest in the Lord. You must find rest in the Lord. In God alone. See, your rest isn't in money or stuff. It, it, it's not in better circumstances. So many times in our lives, we just think, if I could get out of this circumstance, if this would just get better, if we could just turn the corner, this is so hard, God. See, it's not because your problems somehow disappear. Your rest is found in the Lord. And so here's the truth and application I want you to see from this text today in Exodus chapter 6. Because the Lord delivers, you must find rest in Him. So, so you find rest in Him because He delivers. And He's true to His word. So how does the Lord deliver? You might be wondering. Because I feel like all I see are problems in life. I don't see how the Lord is delivering me. And so let's go look at God's response to Moses. Back to verse 1 in Exodus chapter 6. The Lord says to Moses, now, now you see what I will do to Pharaoh, for with a strong hand he will send them out, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of his land. You know, on the surface, it just kind of looks like God's telling Moses the same thing that he told him before. I mean, how in the world is this going to work? But God goes on in verse 2, says, God spoke to Moses and said to him, listen to these words, I am the Lord. That's his response. I'm the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. Verse 4, I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves. And I have remembered my covenant. Guys, here we see God reminding Moses of God's faithfulness. It's about God's faithfulness. The Lord reminds Moses that he's the same God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He, he's the almighty God. 
God, God reminds Moses that he established his covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan. God also conveys to Moses that he hears the complaints of the Israelites, that he's listening, that he cares, that he's paying attention. And you and I, we, we need to know this today too. Because the Lord is faithful, you must find rest in him. Because the Lord is faithful. We, we don't just find rest in the Lord because it's a good idea. We find rest in the Lord because he's faithful. If you notice, God repeated that statement, I am the Lord. He repeated it over and over again. We see it in the burning bush. We see it in chapter 6. Moses, at the same time, he doubts that the Lord will deliver them. But God repeatedly says, I am the Lord. He says it at the beginning. He says it at the middle. He says it at the end of this conversation with Moses. And so what what we see in the text is that the focus isn't on the acts, uh, on what acts are being done, what's not being done. It's on God revealing himself to his people. It's the majestic, almighty name of Yahweh. See, to know God is to know the purpose of all mankind from the very beginning to the end. And, And more than anything, God wanted his people to understand that the answer to their problems was to be found not in a change of circumstances, not in getting more money so you can buy more stuff, not in good health, but in God himself. Friends, do you know that? Do you know that? That the primary answer to all of your problems is actually found in God. God is near, Emmanuel, God is faithful. The Lord is faithful so that you can trust him. And and so you must find rest in the lordship of God. He is the answer to our every difficulty in life because he's faithful. What he says he'll do, he'll do. Now I just have to think, maybe this is why God allowed Moses to fail the first time when he went to Pharaoh. I I mean, if Pharaoh released the Israelites the first time they asked, they they would have given all the credit to Moses. Like, Moses, you're this great guy. We need to worship you. But instead, it backfired. Moses, he takes all the blame. And then everyone knew that Moses, he wasn't able. He wasn't capable of leading God's people to the promised land. Only God. Only God, only God in his faithfulness could lead the people out of Egypt. Yes, he used Moses, but it's only God. And you and I need to know that today too, that only God in his faithfulness can deliver you to rest in the midst of whatever you're going through in life. Not your pastor, not your closest of friends, only God. And so church, rest in God because he's faithful. Here's the, here's the second way we find rest in God. Because the Lord liberates, you must find rest in him. Let me show you in the text, verse 6. Say therefore to the people out of Israel, I am the Lord. And he says, I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians and I will deliver you 
from slavery to them. And so we see the Lord liberates. That's who he is. That's what he does. God, he promises Moses and the Israelites that he'll free them. The, the chains and the shackles, the restraints, the, the burdens, the heavy yoke, the, the toiling, the drudgery, the, the limitations, the restrictions. It'll all go away. In fact, God, he promises to take them out of it. He, he promises they won't be slaves anymore, that they'll actually be free. That's wonderful news. You know, I remember a few years back, I was talking with this woman. She had lost her 17-year-old daughter in a car accident five years earlier. And for, for the past five years, every day had been filled with guilty thoughts and self-blame for her daughter's death. It was so hard for her. That night, five years ago, she, she had told her daughter that she could actually drive to a friend's house on New Year's Eve. She knew people would be out drinking and that. But, but her daughter left early. Her mom, as the daughter's going out the door, said, be safe. That was the last thing she said to her. Her daughter didn't even arrive at her friend's house safely. She was hit and killed by a drunk driver. For the past five years, this mom, this woman, she wasn't able to get past this. She's enslaved with guilt. She's been mourning. She's been grieving. She just wants her daughter back. And it, although it wasn't her fault that her daughter died, she kept blaming herself. Trying to think of all the ways that she could have done something different. If I just did this, if I just did that. And she said, honestly, I, I feel like I'm trapped in a bad dream. Every time the Christmas season comes around, this happens again and I can't get out of it. I'm stuck. I, I don't know how to live. I don't even know how to celebrate Christmas. But this woman, she came to talk to me on this particular day to tell me. She said, Pastor, God did it. After five years, I just had my first day where I felt like the chains were gone, where I wasn't all consumed by this all day long. And she went on to tell me, I know God's freed me. It doesn't always feel that way. But I know that I can rest in Christ even when I don't feel it. Church, that's the truth. The Lord really does liberate. And you may be sitting here today and you may not feel it. And it may not be easy. But you can trust that the Lord liberates. And, and so even in the midst of the most difficult moments of your life, you can be free in Christ. You, you can trust that freedom from sin is here. You can trust that freedom is still on its way in Christ. I mean, I think of the criminal who hung on the cross beside Jesus. He went to the cross a criminal. He was guilty, slave to his crimes. But as he confessed, Jesus is Lord, and he looked to Jesus to save him. Jesus looked back at him and said, truly, truly, I tell you today, today you will be with me in paradise. 
And even the end of our Bible, Revelation 1, 5 says, To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. That's true freedom. By his blood. The Lord liberates so that we can live by his justification. See, when you're in Christ, you're you're guilt-free in the eyes of God. Because the Lord liberates, you must find rest in him. This is the hope we have. The third way we find rest in God is because the Lord redeems. You must find rest in him. Look at the end of verse 6 there. He says, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. So the Lord, he promises to redeem or buy back his people. He, He promises to the Israelites. He promises this to us. See, God's promise to the Israelites was just a glimmer of hope of what would come with Christ. Jesus' blood, which is poured out in sacrifice for your sins and mine, it redeems. It really redeems. But listen to this out of Ephesians 1.7. It says, in him, talking about Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. It's a gift to you, friends. The redemption of Christ is a gift to you. See, on a cross, Jesus hung to die. And he died to provide a, the bloody sacrifice that was necessary for the redemption of your sin. I once heard this story of a little boy. Maybe you've heard this story as well. It circulated around. Maybe seven, eight-year-old boy. He made a toy sailboat. One, one day he was playing with his toy sailboat by the stream behind his home. It was a windy day, a strong gust of wind. All of a sudden grabbed the sail of the boy's boat. And the wind took the boat downstream so quickly that the boy couldn't follow it. He couldn't catch it. He lost his boat. About three months later, the, the, the boy and his father, they were about 35 miles downstream from the home. They were at a pawn shop. As the, as the boy was looking around the shop with his father, off in the distance he noticed something that looked like his sailboat. And he walks up closer and closer, he gets closer and he realizes, that's my boat. He was so excited that he found a sailboat. He took it up to the the person working at the shop and he said, is there any way I can have this boat? This is my boat. And the person working said, no, that's my boat. If you want it, you'll have to buy it. The boy was discouraged because he didn't have the money to buy the boat. But the daddy graciously gave the boy enough money to buy back the sailboat. And after buying the boat, the boy looked at the boat and he said, I made you once, bought you once. Guys, this is what Jesus has done for us. He made us once, he bought us once. See, to be redeemed is to buy back what was once owned. And in that redemption, we have a gift to go freely to God. And so freely and openly, take your sins to the Lord. 
because the Lord redeems, there is no more fear or shame in bringing your hidden vulnerabilities and sins to him. He accepts you. He has redeemed you. He has bought you back. He's paid the price. He's made you. He's bought you. He redeems you. And so church, find rest in him. There's rest in the Lord. The fourth way we find rest in God is because the Lord adopts, you must find rest in him. Look at verse 7. God says, I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. The Lord promises to adopt the Israelites. They're in a moment where they can't see it, but the Lord says, I will take you to be my people. I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord, your God. I have a friend in the process of adopting a little girl, this little girl. She came from a broken home where her her mom didn't care for her. Her mom didn't want her. But these friends, they're so excited to take this little person in, into their home, to care for her, to raise her up, to know the grace of God. That she'd no longer be a slave to her old way of life. She'd live in a new way, with a new life. And it's the same for you today. You didn't have a true home. You you let sin meet the momentary desires of your flesh. Your sin, it actually led you to wander away from the Lord. But the Lord is so excited to take you in, to adopt you, to offer you a new way. In fact, Jesus exchanged his life so that you could be part of the family. Christ adopts you. He adopts you through his grace so that you can join the family of God. And therefore, you must find rest in him. You're safe in him. fifth way to find rest in God is because the Lord keeps. You must find rest in him. Because the Lord keeps. What a great truth. Verse 8, God says, I will bring you into the land that I swore to give Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you for possession. I am the Lord. The Lord promises to bring the Israelites into the promised land. He says he'll do it, so he's going to do it. That's what a faithful God does. And the Lord keeps. He promises to keep you secure until it's time to be delivered in the end. And so if you're sitting here today and you're in Christ, that you've surrendered yourself to him, that you're walking with him, that you've handed over your life to him, if you're in Christ, this is true for you. In fact, First Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4 proclaims it. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. It's by God's mercy alone that we're saved. He caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. 
One of my favorite psalms is Psalm 121, verse 5 says, The Lord is your keeper. That's who he is. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. Church, the Lord is your keeper. You know that? He's your keeper because he bought you, he paid for you, he adopted you, he's redeemed you. You're his. And so if you're in Christ, here's the great news of the gospel. There is nothing, absolutely nothing, that, that can or will separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. If you wholeheartedly surrender yourself to Jesus, he will keep you. He will bring you home. And because the Lord keeps, you must find rest in him. You see, the Lord delivers. But what about those times you can't see it? You don't feel it. It doesn't seem real. There there may be times in your life where you've just got to wait. It seems like you're always waiting for something, something good to happen, and it, it turns this corner for the worse sometimes. And so as you wait to be delivered from your troubles, whatever they are, whether they seem big or petty, find rest in the Lord. I want to take just a minute to show you the end of the story. Exodus 6, nine, or 6 verse 9. Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses because, their bro- because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. And so in what may be similar to how you have felt or may even feel today about your own circumstances, the the Israelite spirits, they were broken. They they were broken so much that they didn't listen. They were hardened. They didn't didn't think anything was going to happen. And then in the next couple of verses, we see Moses, he reminds God. He says, these people, they're so broken, they just won't listen. Moses says in verse 12, How then shall Pharaoh listen to me? For I am of uncircumcised lips. Basically, he's saying, I mean, these these people aren't listening to me. Why in the world would Pharaoh listen to me? Look at how God responds. Verse 13, The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a charge about the people of Israel, about Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt. God's saying, don't worry about the how. Don't worry about the how, just trust me, just do what I say. When God, guys, this is a blessing that we have. When we go to the sovereign Lord, and when we understand what it means for him to be sovereign, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-good, all-wise, all-loving, all-merciful. Because we don't have to worry about the how anymore. Just trust him. Just do what he says. We fast forward almost 1,500 years later. A little baby's born in a feeding trough in Bethlehem. His name is Jesus. Israelites had no clue. But Jesus came to this very world for the purpose of living a life for you and dying a death for you. 
In fact, Matthew 26, 2 points us in this direction. It says, you know that after two days the Passover is coming and the Son of Man, that's Jesus, will be delivered up. Will be delivered up. He'll be delivered up. He'll be crucified. You see, Jesus, he was delivered to death so that you could be delivered to life. When we surrender our, our worries and our fears to God, when, when we lay down our sinful ways at the cross in humble honesty, when, when, when we hand over the keys of our lives to the Holy Spirit and say, here you go. What do, what do we tend to do? We tend to clench on to certain things. You know what we're, you're grasping onto in life, trying to control, and you just know you can't. And so when you hand over the keys of your life to God, that's when God's grace will deliver you to the true and better rest that is only found in Jesus Christ. So give it up. rest is here. His name is Jesus. You don't have to wait anymore. Let's pray together. Father, here we are in this place again. For some, they come. we come week after week after week and we meet to hear your word, to sing, to connect with one another, to pray together. Others, this may be the very first time that you're here. And so, God, we just thank you so much for the grace that you offer us. We, we praise you that you came faithfully to liberate us, to redeem us, to adopt us, to keep us forever and ever. We thank you for this wonderful work of grace that you're doing in our lives, even now in this moment. Even as we wait through some of the hard things of life, you are near. And so God, give us, fill us with the faith to trust in you, even now. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.